Jill Wright, and I'm a facilitator for our community lessons in Charleston, South Carolina. Wouldn't it be great if everyone in the world behaved like we did? I know that I wouldn't be so frustrated if everyone understood that we need time to process new information, that we can't be expected to make quick decisions, or that not all of us like conflict. I know those are true for me, but we know that that's not true for the world, that folks behave in many different ways. And if everyone behaved like me, we'd miss out on the people who actually do like to make decisions and make good ones. We'd miss out, miss out on the visionaries who push the envelope and help us dream beyond what is to what could be. We'd miss out on the people who like to connect others who like to lighten up the mood with stories and jokes, or who like to push the envelope and keep us moving forward, making changes to make us better. What if, instead of being annoyed by others' behaviors, we actually appreciated them and recognized that their behaviors are things that aren't necessarily strengths for us? So today, we're gonna to talk about behavior. I'm gonna define what I mean by behavior. We'll talk about behavior as an expression of a need and I'll differentiate behavior and judgment. And I love how Brene Brown sometimes talks about judgment and says it's hard to stay out of judgment when we enjoy it as much as we do. And I think that's true for all, a lot of us. So what do I mean by behavior? If you've taken our class through our community listens, you know that we talk about behavior as something observable. It can be seen, felt, or heard. It's your eye contact or your smile. It could also be how you behave in a meeting. Are you the person who takes charge? Do you make sure that we're following the agenda and moving along? Are you the person who asks questions and makes sure that we're looking at the problem or the project from many angles? Are you the person who makes sure that the meeting isn't dry by inserting some jokes or sharing an anecdote to bring life to the facts and the data. Or maybe you're the person who makes sure that everyone at the table has had an opportunity to contribute so that everyone is part of the solution. These are all behaviors. And it's important that we understand that some come naturally to us and some we have to work harder at. And instead of being annoyed by others for their behavior, if we understand them more, we might be able to appreciate them more. So what drives behavior? Again, if you've been in our class, you may remember a slide we lovingly refer to as the onion slide. And we show many different layers that ultimately lead to our behavior. And it starts at our core with our needs and our values. And our needs and values are essential and vital to who we are. There are principles that we hold dearly. And those inform our attitudes, which are our opinions, how we judge the world. Our attitudes shape our behavioral tendencies. And these are our tendencies to behave in certain ways and respond to people in certain ways. Now, as I said, a behavior is observable and we can't observe a tendency. We observe the behavior. So one layer is behavioral tendency. And above that, we have the layer of behavior. In between those two layers is the band of choice. 
And as we better understand our own behavioral tendencies and recognize the behavioral tendencies of others, we expand that band of choice so that we can choose how we behave when we're with different people and in different situations. Now let's flip the onion and look first at our behavior as an expression of that need. Again, a behavior as an expression of a need. And when we think about behavior in that way, when we observe a behavior in someone else, or maybe we, behave, we observe our own behavior, instead of rushing to judgment or jumping to conclusions, we take a moment and say, huh, I wonder what is driving that behavior. And when we think about that, we may better understand that person and why they're doing what they're doing. So I'll give you a couple of examples of behaviors and needs, starting with myself. I am the person who sits at the table and asks the questions. I have lots of questions because I wanna make sure that we're thinking all of our ideas through and can execute a plan. And I wanna make sure that I well understand my role and what the expectations are of me. My behavior is asking questions and the need that drives that behavior is my need for perfection. I wanna make sure that not only am I getting the job done, but I'm getting it done right. I had a woman that I worked with who defined the word visionary. She had so many big ideas and could imagine a world where things were so different. And when she was in a room with other people, her words could inspire others to really believe that they could make change and that it was possible. Her behavior was using her words and her enthusiasm to inspire others. And the need that drove that behavior was her own creativity. She needed to innovate. She needed to think outside of the box and be positive and create positivity about potential. So when we are more aware of our own behaviors and we recognize the behavioral tendencies in others, again, we have a better, more tools to be able to understand others and to make better choices about how we behave and respond. We also can choose not to take things personally. I worked for a person and when we would have our weekly meetings, I would bring the data that helped update him on what was going on with our team. But I also would sprinkle in some stories or some details about what the data actually meant in terms of people and our purpose at the organization. He really had no time for those extra details. In fact, he'd lose interest very easily. And he would want me to stick to the numbers, stick to the facts, tell him where we were and how we were going to get to go, get to where we wanted to go. Now, I could easily have taken his behavior of sticking to the facts and wanting to make sure that we touched all of those points as not caring about me or my team. But I recognize now that, that was, those behaviors were driven by his need to get things done and to make sure that we were progressing towards the goals of the organization. That was important to him. And that helps me to not take his behavior quite so personally. So as we think about behavior as an expression of need and have more appreciation for those behaviors, let's think about behavior and judgment and the big difference between the two. It's really important that we understand again that behavior is observable. It's what can be seen, heard, or felt. When I talk about it, you know what I'm talking about. 
But oftentimes we get ourselves into trouble because instead of talking about behavior, we go into judgment where we wrap a value around and a label around the behavior that has to do with our values. And instead of focusing on the behavior, now we have our opinion and our values wrapped into it. And that can make the conversation go sideways really quickly. If you're trying to decide if you're talking about a behavior or a judgment, think about how someone would show you that behavior. So as an example, I've been with my children a lot over the last several months, and I've been very tempted to tell them that they're lazy on occasion. Lazy is a judgment. If I ask them to show me lazy, or they asked me to show them lazy, it would be hard to do. What, they would what I would need to say is what is the behavior that I'm wrapping that label of judgment around? The behaviors are that they leave their clothes on the floor, that they don't close the doors when they go in and out of the house, that they're leaving their water bottles on the ball field. Those are the behaviors, that's observable. But when I say that they're lazy, that's a judgment. And that's just setting us up for an argument and for our emotions to get all wrapped up into what we're talking about. This is especially important that we distinguish behavior from judgment. When we go to confront someone, we're confronting them because their behavior is bothering us and we've decided that we need to ask for change. Before we confront them, we need to spend time to really think about that specific behavior and make sure that we are pulling out any kind of judgment that we might have wrapped around that. If our confrontations have gone wrong in the past, it's very likely because we got into judgment and away from behavior. So again, if we think about me confronting my boys about their behaviors, if I were to confront them by saying, boys, you know, I am really frustrated when you're lazy and it makes so much more work for me. That's clearly a judgment and they're gonna get defensive. But if instead I say, you know, boys, I'm really frustrated when you leave your floor, your clothes on the floor because that makes more work for me. They may still try to argue with me because they're my kids, but there is a lot less defensiveness with that. There's a lot less emotion wrapped around their clothes being on the floor. That's a fact, it's observable, right? So we're much more apt to be able to have a conversation around that behavior, understanding more of the needs that are leading to that behavior and me actually getting my needs met with them hopefully changing that behavior. So to wrap up, we understand that behavior is observable, that all behaviors are an expression of a need, and that when we talk about behavior, we really need to stay out of judgment. All of this helps us be more aware of our own behavior and tendencies and recognize them in other people so that hopefully we can grow to appreciate them and maybe even be able to build deeper and better connection with them. So thanks so much for spending some time with me and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.